Welcome to this edition of the Gateway Podcast. Thanks for connecting with us. To discover more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website, gatewaychurch.org.nz. May this message be an encouragement to you. So it's lovely to have you all here this morning, and I know for some of you, plans have been cancelled and beach plans have gone Hayward, but it's lovely to have you join us, and I hope you feel welcomed, and yeah, it's, we think of the others, I think when Nick was saying we think of the people in Auckland, I definitely felt that on my heart this morning about the people that are suffering and the flooding, so I just thought before we start I might just open in prayer, and if you just bow your heads. Father, just we thank you so much that you are sovereign. We thank you that in the midst of chaos, you are peace. We thank you that you have everything under control. And we thank you, Lord, that um, we can just come to you. May the people all over, Lord, that are affected, may they know your love and your mercy. May others step in and be your hands and feet. Father, as we come this morning and hear the word, I pray you speak profoundly. I pray our hearts are opened and I pray that we leave changed. In your loving name, amen. So as Mike said, I'm a mum of three. My name's Diana Astrid, everyone calls me Di. Um, I just thought as we continue in our summer series, for some of you that haven't been here uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've been doing The Disciples. Grant brought us Simon Peter and spoke about the sifting, that the process that he went through and the character that God was calling him to. And Cena spoke to us last week about Thomas and that Jesus does not call him doubting. In fact, he calls him friend. This morning I'd like to look at a different disciple, perhaps a little bit obscure, in Matthew 10, two to four, if you have your Bibles or iPhones, if you would join. Matthew 10, verse two to four. The first Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, and James the greater, the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Nathaniel, Thomas, and Matthew the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Judas, son of James, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. The disciple I chose to go with this morning was James, the son of Alphaeus. For most of you, you may not know who he is, and in most of scripture, he's hardly mentioned. Um, He's referred to as James the Less. Um, just a bit of a caption, Jesus had 12 disciples. He was, they were called by him, they were chosen and individually purposed for him. He walked with them, he taught them, and he ministered with them in the ordinary and everyday of life. That was not common back in those days. Rabbis did not necessarily choose their disciples, their students chose them. So it was very uncommon that someone would choose them. In fact, the rabbis would decide if they didn't even want the student to be there. If they weren't the elite, 
if they weren't high in IQ and if they couldn't carry what they needed to in terms of the legacy. Uh, discipleship is often called, the Greek word for disciple is mathetius, which means one who engages in learning. Joan Carlos Oritz describes discipleship as more than getting to know what the teacher knows, it's getting to be what he is. James was the lesser of the disciples, the other James was called the greater. Although there's not much known about James, the less, we do know that he was less, little or minor, and that was possibly due to his stature, or the younger. He was the son of Alphaeus, his mother was Mary of Clopas, and he had two brothers, Joseph and Salom. Other than that, there's no book in the Bible written by him. There's no standout moments like Simon or Thomas. So James's ministry was less. It made me think, and I am a person, if anyone knows me well, I'm a person that loves the underdog. I love the triumphant victories. I love the fight that they have to do. So for me, I guess, some of the resonating for me was James the Less and how often in our life we can feel like James the Less. There were two learnings that, or insights that God put on my heart that I really wanted to share with you this morning. One was that discipleship is done in the following, not the comparison. So as Mike said this morning, I have three teenagers. If any of you know, often they go into an unknown language and you become very good at interpreting. I asked one of them the other day, they were sitting on their phone, um, what they were looking at and I got, mm. And then said, are you watching something? Mm. Okay. Are you watching someone do something? Mm. So for all of you that don't have teenagers, I will quickly interpret. That means they were watching someone online on a social media site streaming a video and watching them do life. Um, so often, in fact, we live our life watching others. We live in a digitally charged age with the world at our fingertips. Everything is accessible with the click of a button. Not only are we saturated with more information than we could ever process in a lifetime, but we have a world that comes flooding into our homes, our lives and our minds. We can see what people are doing thousands of miles away. We can watch their island trips. We can vacation with them in Fiji. We can live vicariously through them. We can see everything from how to grow a plant to how to be successful in a step-by-step -step video. We sit watching and comparing and measuring our lives against the feed that continuously feeds our phone. So who are we following? Who are you following? In Genesis 3.1, the enemy hasn't changed much. In the garden, the enemy, the serpent, is talking to Eve and Adam. And he said, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Still filling her mind with doubt. And fast forward 2,000 plus years, it hasn't changed. It's just changed in the fact that it's dressed in something different. It's dressed in deception and doubt and lies. And perhaps it's in the things we are hearing and watching. Rather than the apple, is it the comparison of life? Is it the discontentment? 
Is it the, you don't look right, you are not enough, you need more stuff, you are unqualified, you are not loved, you are, you are, you are, the enemy shouts. In 2 Corinthians 10, 12, he says that we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measure themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Comparison is watered down deception and is a thief of our identity. Comparison is a watered down deception and is a thief of our identity. God really wanted me to say that this morning to you. The enemy uses our saturated social media age as a weapon against us if we are not wise. Comparison is a trap and if we allow it, it can derail us from what God is doing and what he has called us to do. So who are we following? Who are you following? Matthew 4, 19, Jesus says, come and follow me. He did not say compare yourself to the world and then follow me. There is a vast difference between those two concepts. Comparison takes away from who we are and following Jesus grows us. If we are always comparing ourselves to the person beside us or the person in front of us or the people we follow, we not only miss out on our own unique calling God has on our lives, but we miss out on living life. Luke 6, 39, 40. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall in the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Who are you following? We are on a lifestyle block as well, and we are the people farmers hate. Um, we have pets, Ag Day pets. So we stupidly said yes to our three kids. They all wanted three sheep and three cows. Very dumb, don't ever do that. Um, as I said to my husband at 11 o'clock one night, we were feeding these lambs going, whose idea was this? <sighs> anyway, we now have, they've lived a long life, most of them. We've got one that's eight years old, he's pathetic. And if you can imagine a marshmallow on sticks, that is literally what he looks like. He's enormous, overfed, very loved. Um, my brother said I was the enabler because I feed him apple leaves. But anyway, um, my husband was saying the other day, he went out and his name's Flick. We called Flick and he said he called him over and he went to do some weeds and move the fences. And the sheep came, he's enormous. The shearer gives me a lecture on how obese he is every time he comes. And he, John said he ran literally through the paddock. It must have been because he's been sheared and lost some weight, but he ran to him. And it just made me think of what a lovely picture that is of us with Christ, that we know his voice. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And it made me think of that when we've got friends around and they call the sheep, he doesn't come, he doesn't know them and he won't go to the gate. But he knows John and he knows the family and he comes running. Following Jesus is a lifelong journey. It's not a one-off decision. It's not something we do for a couple of hours on a Sunday morning. So my question is, how do we follow? How do we spend time with the one we love? 
How do we become like him as the disciples if we are so busy following the rest of the world? Secondly, discipleship is done in the ordinary and every day. As I said earlier, James the Less was somewhat of an invisible disciple. No great recordings, no writings. However, this does not mean this disciple was insignificant. He was chosen by Jesus, he was one of the 12, he lived and breathed the ministry with Christ. He had a purpose and he was used by Jesus. Our world is consumed with being the greatest. Just look at our media. Wealth, status and stuff is a measurement of someone who has made it. Materialism and overdrive, the need to be the best and have the best in everything. Live your best life. Our culture celebrates it, idolizes it, and in fact trains us to believe that it is true. Being the greatest isn't a new concept. Mark 9, 33, 37, they came to Capernaum and when he was in the house, he began to question them. What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had discussed with one another which of them was the greatest. Sitting down, he called the 12 and said to them, if anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. It seeps into our very lives and it's so very easy. Uh, so as you all know, I'm a nurse and I work at a school. Um, one of the days with COVID and everything that's happened, we've had to set up an outside kind of area. So we have constant leaves that blow through the area. So I have to, we sweep and we keep it tidy. And the one day I was sweeping and went, oh my, I'm a nurse and I'm sweeping. I did all those years of study and I'm sweeping a floor. And I know that sounds pathetic and you can hear some of that pride. And I felt God say to me, really? Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I've done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. God very quickly put that in perspective. It doesn't matter where we are or what we're doing, we do it for God. <coughs> I think as believers, we're often led to believe that we need a platform to be able to do the Christian things. Only the people with ministry platforms can evangelize or can help. And that is a flat out lie from Satan. Just as James the less, your calling and purpose is as important and more often than not, it's done in the ordinary and every day. Just as there will and was callings on people's lives like Simon Peter or Thomas or John Wesley or C.S. Lewis, you and I are still equally called by God. Our, pla our platform may be making a meal for our neighbor, helping someone pay for their groceries, seeing someone in the street and you are prompted to pray for them, Wor working in your workplace and praying in the morning, removing yourself from the morning tea gossip session or the crude jokes that are passed around the office. Not using your phone necessarily in an uncomfortable place and instead striking up a conversation with a stranger. Your platform is where God has called you and it's in the ordinary, in the everyday and in the invisible. Matthew 28, 19 to 20, 
Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus never said, go and save people. He never said, hit them over the head with the Bible and the good news. Instead, he exampled relationships and connection. He exampled that he walked in the marketplace, the ordinary. He fed the hungry, visited the sick, the invisible. He cared, he empathized, he healed, he loved, and he modeled how we are to live life of less. A true story years ago, a man placed an ad in a local American paper. It read, I will listen to you talk for 30 minutes without comment for $5. Do you know, I felt all the husbands go, mm, I could sign up for that. <laughs> Apparently the man was inundated with phone calls from people who just wanted to talk. They were happy to pay the fee because all they wanted to know is that someone cared enough to listen. We may think that's ridiculous, People are more lonelier now than ever, even with all our technology and social media. That is the greatest benefit of my job. At school, I've worked in lots of scopes of nursing. I've been a nurse for 19 years, and I've worked in many places. But one of the benefits and the joys of my job is that I have time for people. I have an open door when I can, but most of the time people just come in and talk. We were created in his image and we were created for relationship with God and with one another. That is why we crave it. We don't need more information, we need Jesus. An ancient proverb that says, I hear, I forget, I see, I remember, I do, I understand. As David Watson says in his book, imparting information isn't enough. More than that, we must share our lives with one another to such a degree that God is able to share his life in us and through us until he forms us into the likeness of his own son, developing the gifts and ministries he has given us into full maturity. I saw a clip the other day of someone saying, live your best life, which seems to be the catchphrase at the moment. In our world's view, living our best life means a life focused on you. Do whatever makes you happy. Don't like it, change it. Something's broken, throw it out. Focus more on you, become more you, more self and more indulgent. I know for a lot of us here that we've gone back to school and to work and before the routines and normality of life kick in, I wanted to challenge us with rather than the best life, live a life like James the Less. A life that God has specifically called you to. A life of less self, a life of becoming like him. To become the least and not the greatest. To serve and not be served. To follow Jesus and not social media. So rather than seeing discipleship as an old, outdated concept that was only relevant 2,000 years ago, where they walked dusty roads wearing sandals and robes, be a disciple in the ordinary, every day and often the invisible. We all have a platform. There is a world desperately looking for hope, 
and you and I carry that as followers of Christ. An everyday commitment to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. To be called into action and go into your place of influence. To be disciples in the ordinary, the everyday, measuring and comparing, not to our world, not to our media streams, but to Jesus. Discipling in the real, people are craving real. Our mission is not to save people, but to point them to the cross. Could I invite the musicians up? I just wanted to leave you the greatest truth we can learn from James the Lesser is that it's not about living our best life. It's about living a life that loves the Lord. That's all people want to see. Do you know we don't even have to say anything? People see stuff in us without even us mentioning anything. I just want to finish with Psalm 115. It says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name we give glory. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website, gatewaychurch.org.nz.